So let's get started. One, two, three. Would welcome 
was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I Has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Welcome to my living room again. Um, the worship that you saw was a little different than we've had. And what we've been doing, just so that you know, is one of the things we do at Journey North Church is we experiment a lot. 
we experiment so that we can be learning, so that we can be improving. And sometimes we find a little thing that's good and we put it into something else and just kind of go back and forth. But when it comes to the, that worship, this is extremely important. We need to remember we are still worshiping. In fact, for this whole thing that we're doing that's kind of weird, I want you to do what I'm doing. I'm looking at this as participating together and, and not doing it alone. That's one of the reasons why you're in your family room. You're in my family room with me. You're in your family room, maybe. I don't know, your kitchen. Um, if you're somewhere else in your house, don't really want to know. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to change your mindset because you're participating. You're not just watching. It may seem weird at first, but keep doing it. Like, for instance, raise your hands if you want while you're worshiping. Turn the volume up and worship. Clap. You know, clap when it's done. If something's funny, laugh. You know, respond to questions because we're in this together. So that's how I want you to be thinking about this so that it feels like we really are engaging with each other because we are. So I had the message for today almost done. And then God did what God often does. He changed it. We talked about Elijah last week. You can still go back and watch that. I'm sorry. You can still go back and participate in that. And we're going to look at the next big thing in Elijah's story this week. But the part we were skipping, it kept being brought to my attention as I was reading through Elijah's story throughout the week. And it seemed to really apply to us. So for today, we're going to talk about fear. And I have some friends of Journey North Church that are going to kind of introduce this topic for us. So I want you to watch what happens next and pay attention to what they say. It's extremely awkward doing that. Tom and Eddie, the skit guys, here to help you to conquer your fear with five tips. That's right. Number five, acknowledge your fear. Write it down. Get it out there. Oh, do that, Tommy. Do that. That's a great idea, okay? Here's the thing. When you write down your fear, it kind of helps just squelch the fear. Tommy is going to show you right now that we all have this in common. We all have fears. This is Tommy's number one fear. This is my number one fear. I've seen it happen to people, and it's tragic. I can't imagine what it would be like to... Really? So much skin. Number four, realize that most of your fears don't even come true. Yours did. This isn't a fear. Looks like it should have been. When it comes to those fears, they don't really ever come true. Like some people have a fear of garden gnomes coming alive in the middle of the night and destroying you. What? Yes, a bunch of people fear that. I don't think so. It's a legitimate fear. Those little statues in people's yards. Those evil statues in people's yards. Oh, this is your fear. You're afraid of... No, you're I'm afraid not. of garden no, gnomes. I'm not. Yes, no, you I'm are. not. I'm not Look at you. Me. No. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Moving on. Number three, do the thing you fear. Yes. Yes. Like, stay the night in a yard filled with garden gnomes. No, it really is a good idea to do what you fear. In fact, Winston Churchill said, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. No, Winston Churchill didn't say that. Hmm? Emerson said that. What? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. How do you know that? Well, I had a college class on and there was a, did you just say, how do I know that? Yep. Okay, you know what I'm curious about? I'm curious what it would look like if I shaved your head. 
That's not funny. I'm not laughing. Number two, be curious. Yeah, because when you're curious, you're not focusing on your fear. You're squelching your fear. You're, you're opening the door for God's wonder. Curiosity does that. Yeah, and you'll also find that curiosity did not kill the cat. It was that creepy kid across the street. There's someone to be afraid of. You don't even be afraid of him. Because the number one way to conquer your fear is to trust in God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of the Lord is not a fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Yep. In fact, I got you a little keepsake to help you remember that. Thanks, buddy. That's what I like about this guy. He's always thinking of other people. So there you have it, friends. Go out there. Conquer your fear. Make that bucket list of things that you want to do and know that God is on your side because there is nothing that you have to be afraid of. So, thank you to the skit guys. Um, show of hands, anyone experiencing a little fear or anxiety or worry or stress during this period of uncertainty? What I want to do is I want to start with a little bit of a recap of chapter 17 that we looked at last week from 1 Kings. Um, but I want to add just a little bit of color and insight to it. Elijah had pronounced that a drought was going to happen, a drought that would cause incredible suffering and anxiety and hardship, and it would be devastating. He was afraid of the evil king Ahab. You remember Ahab was like, I think it was the 19th consecutive evil king. And he was even, not he, uh, Ahab, but Elijah was even more afraid of the king's extremely evil wife, Jezebel. Elijah's fear was a fear of dying. He takes off to keep safe from her, but this is at God's command. Elijah is just obeying the guidelines, kind of like we are. Self-isolate, self-social -dis distancing. So you remember last week we talked about the fact that he camps out at the Kirith Brook, the Kirith Ravine which means cut off, but he has water to drink. And uh, God sends birds to deliver food uh, twice a day because the restaurants are all closed, except for pickup and delivery, and he doesn't want a chance going out. So that's where he's at. But eventually, remember 1 Kings 17, 17, the brook dries, 17, 7, the brook, the brook dries up. And so because of that, it's time to move on. And so God gives him new orders. And in 1 Kings 17, verses 8 and 9, it says this, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, Zarephath, it's near, it says, the city of Sidon. Let me give you just a little bit more information on that place so you can see what's happening in this story. Elijah was directed to Zarephath. It's a town on the Mediterranean coast between Tyre and Sidon. And when I read that, the first thing I think of is that this is like cool. He goes from like camping out by the brook where it dries up to he gets to go spend some time on the coast. It's like going to a resort. There's only one little problem. This was the homeland of Jezebel. It's where she was from. She was the daughter of King Ethbaal, as in Baal, um, King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, from, that's where he was from, that's where she was from. And this was the heart of Baal-worshipping territory. And he was headed to Jezebel's hometown. 
you think there might have been a little bit of fear involved with Elijah. Well, God sends him there to locate a widow who God was going to use to provide for Elijah. He finds a widow, and if you remember the story from last week, she obeys, she gives him some water, and they're in a drought, remember, so that's a big deal, and makes bread from her last few bits of uh, flour and olive oil, um, and then there was going to be no more. Not only were the shelves at the store empty because of the hoarders, she was a widow in a very difficult time to be a widow. Not that any time is a ton easier, but there was no help for her here at all especially during the drought. My guess is there was quite a bit of fear and anxiety and worry for this widow and her young son. And I know she was afraid because of what Elijah tells her. He says in 1 Kings 17, 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I was reminded today by someone who was uh, talking to on the phone. Um, God says not to be afraid 365 times in the Bible. That's like once for every day. He's telling us, don't be afraid. So Elijah says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Remember, she obeys, and God miraculously provides, and the oil and the flour don't run out the entire time the prophet stays there with her. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I'm pretty sure that Elijah and the widow were not the only ones who were afraid and living in fear. I'm pretty sure Ahab was too. His wife Jezebel was one wicked lady. There's a lot of fear going around in this story and also in our current situation that we find ourselves in. See, we're not 100% sure of the timeline, but the best guess is that Elijah was at the Kirith Ravine for about six months and at the widow's house for about three years. Three years in what amounts to self-quarantine. Three years of self-isolation. Talk about a stay-at-home order. Remember then, at the end, her son dies. Elijah does the most amazing miracle, and the son is raised from the dead. I just wanted to fill in a few details from last week because it gives us a little insight into how much fear and uncertainty is in this story and how much of that's going around because I think it can be encouraging for us, and it can have a lesson for us as well. So the story continues in chapter 18 of 1 Corinthians. In verse 1, it says this, Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. He tells Elijah to do a pretty scary thing. If God had just said, Go to Ahab, Elijah's response could have been different. He could have said, Yeah, that ain't happening. We know what will happen if I do that. But God adds that Elijah is to tell him the drought is going to end. God will soon send rain. Kind of reminds me of the story of um, there's a, a father in, in Mark and his son is demon possessed, really bad things happening. And he comes to Jesus and he says he, he'd like Jesus to heal his boy. And he says, if you can. And Jesus says, I love how he says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus says, anything's possible for someone who believes. And I love the man's response. He says, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. It's like in this story, God helps Elijah overcome his fear by telling him, I have a good message for you to give him. God says, what you have to do is tough, but this is important. God says, I'll be with you. I'll bring the rain and you won't have to be afraid because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. When we're afraid, the best thing to do is trust in what God said. It's true for Elijah 
and it's true for you as well, and it's true for me. Don't doubt in the dark what God said in the light. That means we have to be spending time with God in his word, listening and then obeying during this time. Verse 2, it says, So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. That's what's going to happen. And then there's a scene change. Now we're going to get a little bit of a glimpse into what's going on with Ahab. We know that um, Elijah's getting ready to go there. But here's what's happening with Ahab. I like it. It starts, meanwhile, like, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, back at the, the capital and, the, and the, the palace, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. And it's important it says that detail because Samaria is the capital, which means that's where Ahab and Jezebel lived. Both of them were there. That's where the, the, the onslaught of this drought and the famine that it caused were the worst. See, the drought had taken its toll. Because no water meant, among other things, no crops, no food for three and a half years. So meanwhile, back at the capital, it says, verse 3, So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. It's probably not the same Obadiah who wrote the book by that name. There's a book in the, in the Old Testament of prophet Obadiah. Um, Obadiah is a very common name, and literally it meant worshiper of Yahweh. And here's who he was. In that verse, it says this, Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. And here's how devoted he was. It says, verse 4, Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden a hundred of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. So a couple things here. Again, we can see everyone fears Jezebel and what she's capable of, including Obadiah. But he comes up with a plan. So that she can't kill all the prophets, Obadiah hides them, at least a hundred of them, in, in two caves, 50 in each cave, and supplies them with food and water. So it's like yet another stay off the streets order here. And instead of shelter in place, it's shelter in caves. And as I was reading this, all I could think of was, unless they're pretty big caves, 50 people in a cave sounds a little tight. The social distancing guidelines may not have been followed exactly. So I'm going to assume big caves so that it's all cool. Anyhow, we see Obadiah feared Jezebel as well. Even though he worked for her husband, King Ahab, he was second in charge. It says he was in charge of the palace. So verse 5 says this, Ahab said to Obadiah, We must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So verse 6, they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. So we see Obadiah and the king, they split up in search of grass, you know, find a little bit of water, moisture, that grass is growing, so at least they can save some of the animals. What happens next appears random. But nothing with God is random. Verse 7, as Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Obadiah recognized him at once and bowed down low to the ground before him to, to honor this incredible prophet. And he said, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? Yes, it is, verse 8. Elijah replies, yeah, it's me. Now go tell your master, which is Ahab, Elijah is here. Now that seems like a simple request. Ahab's been looking for him for three and a half years, and you think this would be good news. Simple request. You're in good with Ahab. Go tell him I'm here to see him. But that's not how the story is unfolding. It says in verse 9, Oh, sir, 
Obadiah protested. What harm have I done to you that you are sending me to my death at the hands of Ahab? So we see Obadiah is pretty afraid of his boss. And he tells Obadiah and us why in the next verse, verse 10. For I swear by the Lord your God that the king has searched every nation and kingdom on earth from end to end to find you. Each time he was told, Elijah isn't here. So what had happened is he'd hear word that Elijah was somewhere. He'd go there and they'd say, Elijah's not here. And it said he would force the king of that nation to swear to the truth of his claim. The king, Ahab desperately wanted to find him. And so what was happening was someone would say, Elijah saw him and Ab uh, um, that they saw Elijah and Abraham because Jezebel wanted Elijah dead. Ahab would go running to see where Elijah was supposed to be and he'd be gone. Verse 11, it says, Obadiah says, now you say, go tell your master, Elijah's here. And he says, but as soon as you leave, verse 12, the spirit of the Lord is going to carry you away to who knows where. When Ahab comes and cannot find you, he will kill me. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord all my life. See, if he reported to his king that Elijah had been found, and then when they came there, he couldn't produce him, you know, because this happened to Elijah a number of times. He would just, poof, the spirit would take him away and he'd be somewhere else. If that happened here, Ahab would kind of look at Obadiah's words as almost like a mocking thing. I'm mocking you. And, and he'd probably be executed. And so Obadiah obviously fears Ahab and Jezebel. He fears dying and says, you know, I've been a true believer. I've been a servant all my life. In verse 13, he said, for instance, has no one told you, my Lord? about the time that Jezebel was trying to kill the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of them in two caves, and I supplied him with food and water. He's saying, remember, I've done good things. And now you say, go tell your master that Elijah is here. He said, sir, if I do that, Ahab will certainly kill me. Now that seems logical to be afraid, doesn't it? But Elijah assures Obadiah that that wasn't going to happen. Verse 15, but Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty, in whose presence I stand. That's like a third time in these last couple chapters that that's been said. I swear by the Lord Almighty, in whose presence I stand, that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. He says, I promise I won't disappear this time. I'm really going to show up. So, verse 16, Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. And Elijah didn't disappear. He showed up. And it's funny, when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I like how he says that. Because Ahab saw all his troubles as the fault of Elijah. And in reality, it was Ahab and Jezebel's fault for not obeying God. Elijah wasn't the cause. He was just the messenger. So we're going to leave this story there for now. It gets really interesting here very quickly and we are going to get back to that later but I guess I just want to focus on the one thing that so many people in this story are dealing with and so many people now are dealing with to one extent or another and that's the issue of fear because in our story Elijah feared Ahab and Jezebel Jezebel had fear too she feared losing her power and control the widow feared she and her son starving and dying Obadiah feared Ahab and Jezebel Heck, even Ahab feared Jezebel. Here's the thing. So many of you might be struggling with fear and uncertainty and doubt and stress and anxiety. 
And we're going to see this story in a very short time turn out in such an incredible way. It's already turned out miraculously in a number of ways. A number of ways. The provision of the, the olive oil and the, the flour not running out. The, the widow's boy being raised from the dead. And Elijah not disappearing and causing Obadiah to be killed by Ahab. And God is just getting started in this story. And I need to tell you today that that same God is still in charge today. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've come into a living, vibrant relationship with him, you've got nothing to fear. He can and will bring good out of seemingly impossible bad situations, even the one we're in right now. He doesn't want us to live in fear. I would just like to share a couple verses with you. The first one, two verses actually, first of all, is in 1 John 4, 18 and 19. I love this passage. Perfect love drives out all fear. I love that. It's talking about God's love before this. It's talking about our love for each other. And he says, perfect love drives out all fear. And then verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. That's what can make the fear go away. So we need to be loving and serving instead of living in fear. We can see this time as a time when we can help people, when we can be the church. Somebody posted something like, uh, it's not just that the church has left the building, it's the church has been deployed. We can actually do something positive for the kingdom. And then I want to share that verse that the skit guys shared with us from 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For the Spirit of the Lord is not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We don't need to live in fear. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't come into a personal relationship with God through Jesus, you can experience that right now. Jesus already provided the way. You don't have to live in fear. You can pray and say these words from your heart right now, just right along with me. God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm turning from my sins, I'm turning from my way, and I'm turning to you. I believe with the billion people who will celebrate Easter and the resurrection next Sunday that Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross to pay for my sins. He was buried and rose again three days later. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Replace my spirit of fear with one of power and love and a sound mind. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. If you just prayed to receive Jesus, please let us know. You can, whatever platform you're watching on, put it in the comments, private messages. One of them has a box that you can click on to say, I committed my life to Jesus. Do that, but let us know who you are. We want to celebrate your new life with you because we're in this together. We want to help each other. So remember, next week is Easter Sunday. Even though it's online still, I know that God is going to do great things. He's been doing great things already. We've been online for a couple weeks. Last week, 10 people said I committed my life to Jesus through watching what we were doing here together at Journey North Church. It's just incredible, and I think God is going to do amazing things next week. So 
There's going to be some updates coming this week. You'll see a couple of live things or updates on, on some of the Facebook and, and YouTube and some of those platforms. So keep watching for that. And we're going to end today with an Easter invite. I'm actually going to put this in a place where you'll be able to share it with people, an Easter invite for people. So um, watch um, this Easter invite as we close.